Jesus was incredibly political, very, very political. Did not shy away from speaking about politics and specifically the dangers therein, thereof. And he does so today. So um, the church has much to say about the political order. And one of the things that is difficult sometimes for us to understand about this, about what the church says, is that the church is speaking to an entire world. We tend to just sort of be, you know, centered on our own experience. And so we, we tend to filter what the church says through perhaps our, our political positions in, in you know, the United States. But the church is speaking about, when it, no matter what it's speaking about, but, but certainly as it has, and it has much to say about politics and should say much about politics. It doesn't give specifics because it's speaking about generally the political order and specifically, or more importantly, the relationship between the human person and the political order from a spiritual perspective generally. So let's, and it, a lot of it springs forth from actually this gospel, this last line. So let's look at this and then let's, uh, let's ruminate a bit about what the church says about it. So the, the, the goal of the, and we, and we know this, ad hominem attacks are kind of the best way to discredit somebody, right? Somebody might have a great point but, you know, if they did something bad when they were 15, right? I mean, the, <laughs> we see it all the time. Well, when they were 21, they, they did something terrible. Well, maybe not even that terrible. So we don't have to listen to anything they, they have to say. Ad hominem attacks. This is what they're trying to do to Jesus. They're trying to discredit him. And if they can discredit him, he loses his influence. And that's their goal. Because he's getting too much influence, right? He's claiming to be the Messiah. And people are believing, and they're even saying he's the Messiah. So what was the common understanding of the Messiah? The Messiah, in their minds at the time, was going to be more of a political or military leader, sort of a new King David, bring Israel back into prominence and independence. At the time, they're occupied by the Roman, uh, the Roman state, the Roman Empire. And so they're, they're living in, you know, their, their country, which you know, God has given them their land, but they're being occupied by this foreign power, which nobody wants. Nobody wants to live that way. So in their minds at the time, they're thinking, okay, if the Messiah comes now, he's going to in some way fight against these foreign, you know, this foreign power and overthrow them, which in their minds, and of course, would be a great thing. So if they can discredit him, right, not only does he lose his uh, influence, but they gain back their power over the people, the Pharisees and the chief priests and the rest, which is what they're losing. So the question is put forth, you know, you as a Jew and the Messiah, who's supposed to be overthrowing the Romans, should people pay the tax to the Romans? So you see the trap. If he says yes, or if he gives too much fealty to this occupying power, the Romans, he's going to be considered a traitor, a traitor to the people. Couldn't be a Messiah if you're a traitor to the people. Couldn't be a Messiah if you're, if you're giving fealty to the occupying power, the very thing that it, would be, it was presumed you would overthrow. But if you say don't pay the tax... If you say, don't give fealty to the occupying power, you now make yourself an enemy of them. 
This is why both the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians come to Jesus. Because depending on how he answers, they, they figure if you say no, we got you. If you say yes, we got you. And then we get this great response that many of us probably know by heart. Jesus did have a certain advantage in his responses, given that he, you know, is God. So, you know, the brilliance of the response is, is uh, we should expect. And it gives this great, this great phrase, which the church builds out its framework for looking at the political order. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's but give to God what is God's. So let's look at that. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. What is the church's understanding of the role of uh, the state, politicians, et cetera, to secure the good and protection of its people, right? To foster harmony within, within a particular country, to provide for their good and for their needs, and then to give them as much freedom as possible. Which, of course, constitutionally, we also believe. Right? We, we live in a social contract uh, society where we understand that we have certain things that are owed one another, but we seek to maximize our freedoms as, as much as we can. And then what is our understanding of where freedom comes from? Freedom does not come from the state. This is constitutional. Freedom comes from God. And it's the state's duty to protect it. We hold these these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, rights that cannot be taken away, namely the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We believe that freedom is given by God. Freedom is something within the individual that they already possess. And the state errs or is vicious when it does not protect that freedom. And it's rightly ordered when it does. The state exists to protect and maximize freedom so that people may live publicly not just at church, but publicly as people of conscience with freedom of speech, so long as that freedom is not inciting direct violence, but freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Constitutionally and religiously, the church would say, we have the right to be people of faith, people of conscience, Catholics, and people who speak freely out there If you don't have freedom out there, you don't have freedom. And of course, you know, to to even suggest that the government would try to take away our freedom in here is is absolute nonsense. But what in post-modernity particularly will those in power seek to do? They seek to divide us according to the lines of oppressors and victims. And every single one of you, they will tell you, is a, is a victim. And by the way, many of you are also oppressors, depending on which side. But you're all victims. You are all victims. And guess who's going to save you? Politicians are going to save you. <laughs> That's what they set themselves up to do. 
So when you're evaluating all of this, no matter what side you're on, you might say, well, Father, what side are you on? I'm on your side. I don't care about politics, except for as a citizen, you know, I do what I do. Vote against the people who should be voted against, at least I think. But I don't really like any of them. But I love you. My concern is you, the good of your soul, you being rightly ordered to God and to society. So this is what happens, particularly in post-modernity. You know, in earlier times, uh, politicians might talk about problems, and then they're the ones who are going to solve the problems. But what we're seeing is a rise in almost a, a messianic reality, where politicians are saying, you're oppressed. Oh, no, you're oppressed. Guess who's going to redeem you? Guess who's going to alleviate that oppression? I'm going to do it. A politician is going to do it. That's how they set themselves up. And I use my word specifically. This is satanic. If they do this, they don't all do it. Of course not. But the ones who do, this is the definition of satanic. For a human person to claim to be God, to claim to be our redeemer and savior, is not the role they should have. But furthermore, you are free. We are free because of our creation, because we are created in the image and likeness of God. We have intellect, we have will, and from, then, from there, freedom emanates, self-determination. That's where freedom comes from. It doesn't come from the state. The state is to protect what we already have, not grant something. That's to give them far too much power. And if we allow ourselves to be placed into these uh, positions of the oppressed, we're going to be looking for human redeemers and messiahs. And that's what many of them want because it keeps you in a position of slavery to them. If we're looking at them as the only ones who can save us, it gives them way too much power, which many of them want. That's what they want. They want power, and they want you to blindly believe that they are the ones to alleviate your suffering. This is, if we, if we buy into this, we are not rightly ordered. There is one Savior. There is one God. And what belongs to the state is good citizenship. I mean, we got to pay our taxes. We got to do all that stuff. We hope that uh, the state can solve some problems. That would be a great start. Um, we hope that, you know, they can alleviate some suffering. Of course, right, of course. But then it ends. And if they're not serving our interests and our good, we throw them out. That's what we do. That's what belongs to them. But far more belongs to God. What belongs to God is our mind, our heart, our soul, our love, our worship, the core of who we are belongs to God. We never give that over to a human person. We never give that over to a government, no matter who they are, no matter what side of the aisle. These things belong to God and God alone. Because this world was not meant to be completely fixed. Even Jesus didn't do it. He didn't heal everyone. He didn't feed everyone. He didn't alleviate all suffering. This world is temporary. 
We do the best we can. We hope our government does the best we can. We vote according to our conscience and, and try to do the best we can, knowing the entire time that we are not meant for here. We are meant for God. And when we are rightly ordered, we live our lives so that our hearts and minds and souls are with Jesus Christ, who is our only Savior and Redeemer. And we accept that in this life, there's going to be great imperfection and sometimes injustice. We work against it, but we know that even as we work against it, we cannot fully eliminate it. Because this life is not meant to be heaven, but a preparation for it. And so as we look at the the political order, it's very important. It's a very important part of our society. But we keep it in its place. And we remember that the core of who we are belongs to God. From from whence freedom comes, from, from whom true joy and true fulfillment come. He is our only redeemer. He is the only savior who guarantees for us eternity and blessedness. Please stand.